So I just brought her under hypnosis and regressed her. And then she recounted in full detail these ancient civilizations. She remembered being like part of the, I guess you would call it the ruling party in this ancient civilization in the South Pacific that we came to understand was Lemuria, or they called it Amman in her civilization. And to understand that she was taken as a prisoner when these visitors started showing up that were very, very advanced. And they came in these like travel spheres, which you couldn't see from the outside. So they had really stealth technology. Well, these visitors that kept showing up wanted something from them and they were dealing with um, illnesses. So they wanted the technology that would keep them um, immune. But when these visitors couldn't get what they wanted, they took her as a prisoner and she spent 60 years in a prison in the place that we came to find out was Atlantis. They set off these, like it was a nuclear type devices in rifts under the ocean that created massive tidal waves that were not like a regular tidal wave. And that's how that island is no longer there. And that was in the South Pacific, you know, that people call Lemuria. Whenever you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. I wanted to say, um, I think it's so amazing what you're doing because your generation, even the generation younger than you, they need this type of information so much. I was just literally speaking at this event not that long ago. Mm. And this, I think he must have been 16 or something, wow. 17. He was um, assisting the film crew and filming my talk. And while I was presenting things about people's memories of being from other civilizations and other planets, I warned the audience, this might be a little triggering. I'm going to play you a little clip of an actual memory. And, um, you know, just keep in mind, it can be triggering. Well, he started crying and he couldn't stop shaking and crying. And he realized that it, he started to have memories of this place, oh. that he connected to this place in his dreams. And then he came up to me later and he's like, I finally realized what I'm doing oh here. My God. And he was like, I'm here on a special mission. So many younger people remember, and also they feel a little different than people of an older generation because actually we're creating this new race of people and most of the people that are coming in the new generation they're different mm. they're a totally different race of human they have different abilities wow. they should be treated differently and an awakened star seed is like a machine gun mm -hmm. they affect everyone they're in contact with wow they don't realize this or not mm. but once they start learning who they really are and they awaken the deep and deeper parts of themselves and activate their DNA. I believe it's something like an 18 mile radius that they affect wow. on the globe. So it's something quite profound. Wow, Sarah, that just gave me full body chills. And I love that you just <laughs> started off with that, you know, nugget of wisdom. And and I didn't even I wasn't even conscious that we were even starting. But it's it's actually happened to me, um, you know, even would recording this show where we'll hear about what is going on on the planet and I will be sort of editing the interview again 
and my whole body will just drop into like shivers and I'll, I'll shake. My body will literally shake because the information is such of a high frequency and I don't know if it's an activation or there are codes that are coming through, but there's this deep-seated memory that is coming through on the planet right now and you're really helping facilitate um, and bridge that that wisdom. It's sort of your mission in this world right now. So, you know, we usually ask our guests um, when we start, what are you most excited about right now in your life? Well, it is so fun what I do, honestly. I never know what the higher consciousness is going to share with me through my clients under hypnosis. And I'm learning just like everybody else. I have access to so much information mm -hmm. that it's so fun. Whenever I'm I'm curious about something, I can just ask the questions. But I'm so passionate about sharing the information because people don't have access to this information. Mm. And I'm doing this work almost every day. And what you see like on these channels, you know, a lot of this channel, the channels that talk about all these fear, yeah. uh, doom and gloom stuff, <clears throat> that is not what I get, <clears throat> excuse me, in these sessions. Mm. I don't receive that type of information. I definitely can um, have the higher consciousness tell me about different darker agendas, but there's this huge, beautiful light agenda that's also occurring mm. on this planet of duality. But it's exciting to see how, you know, this works out, how this, how we came in here for this experience mm. of like finding out our true purpose and, and reuniting with everyone again, because we've been so separate. So it's, I don't know, there's so many things that I'm so excited about. I, I think just all of it, le learning and also seeing how it plays out is so exciting. Mm. It's exciting to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's amazing because when you tune into or when you take any person and you go deep within them, you access the same place. Mm. So everyone is the same. It doesn't matter who you are and you can affect so much just through one person because they access universal consciousness when they're deep under hypnosis and you're speaking directly with their higher self because the higher self is source. So deep down, everyone is actually source. All consciousness is really one. And these are all the things you remember when you, you know, leave the lifetime you remember who you are mm. but this is an experience of pretending to be separate than everybody that you see <laughs> like really this is we really had a lot of technology goes into pretending you're separate than everyone so it's an experience you know really not to take for granted that you forget these things because that's the only way to have this full experience like really be in this video game mm. so to speak and I wanted to ask you what, you know, this universal consciousness that we all are, that we're all, you know, deeply interconnected with, you know, sometimes it takes us some time or it takes us a while to even know that we can access that. And that's where sort of people like you come in that are helping facilitate and put us in a brainwave state where we can access that information. I'd love to just hear a little bit of your process. I know you were, you know, you're a master level um, hypnotist with Brian Wise, 
Dolores Cannon, you know, all legends in this field and pioneers in the work. Um, but what is sort of the process of getting people to access that and, and unclearing the blockages that we have in our conscious mind or our ego? So it's really, really easy and it doesn't take much. And people can even do this themselves. When you wake up in the morning and you still have access to your dream, that's what's called the deep theta state. So in that state, it can feel like you're very much awake and you think you're always going to remember the dream. Then you wake up all the way and you realize, oh, wait a minute, I wasn't totally awake because the dream is gone. If you can get used to that state in the morning, so when you wake up in the morning and you know you're in that state because you can still remember your dream and your dream is so fresh in your mind, you can use that as an opening to go deeper into yourself. So you can just sit in that state, in that theta state, and just try to prolong it. And you can practice on yourself. It's easier, of course, with a guide that could ask you questions, that could lead you through things. But you actually have access to so much information mm. in that state. But that's essentially where I take people to. So basically, all I do is I relax their conscious mind, bring them to, into a very deep state, the, the deep theta state. Then I ask their questions, you know, regress them and access their higher consciousness. Mm. And in that way, they can find out anything about themselves. I mean, there's so much below the surface of everyone. Mm. People have no idea, but that's the only way we can really have this experience, this full experience, this experience of forgetting so that we can remember again. Because it's mind blowing when you start to travel inwards. Because we always are taught you have to look outside yourself for every answer, but all the answers are in ourselves. And when you start taking the journey, like the deep journey inwards, talk about traveling, you know, really travel into yourself. There's a whole new world yeah. there that people aren't aware of, but you can do it yourself. You can do it yourself in the morning or right before you're falling asleep even. Mm. And, and is there a moment sort of when you're with a client or a subject where you go, I'm there? You know, I'm with the consciousness. I'm with that consciousness. Is there an energy that you feel from that? Is it the the level of information that's coming through? How do you how do you know you're there? Oh, that's such a good question. Because sometimes I have to maneuver or manipulate uh -huh. the session a little bit in order to access that higher consciousness. Because some people have just a really overactive conscious mind resistance that just wants the resistance that wants to filter the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But when you can finagle it and get access to the higher self, you can feel the energy. There's a total shift in energy, and it's unmistakable when you access the higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. It also speaks differently than the conscious mind, which is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it's like this all-knowing, loving, powerful uh, energy, because in a sense, it really is God. Mm -hmm. So then you can just go take your session to another level and find out anything. Yeah. And I've seen people heal all different kinds of things. Mm. Give us a little demo. Give us a little example of, of what people have healed. Okay, so people have healed. I've seen bones go back into place. I've seen <laughs> literally mm. in front of me, people have healed their eye. Oh, just everything. Eyes, tumors have shrunk in front of my face before. One man had these big tumors on his neck. And they were um, from when, when I um, took him under hypnosis, he found out they were from uh, when he was eight. 
he was really angry at his father and he never spoke about what he was angry about. And instead they stayed within his, his throat and they had nowhere to go. So they turned into these tumors and that eventually became, the anger became cancer. And once he understood the very root cause, they healed right in front of his face. His wife, when she dropped him off and said, just here, fix him. And then she came back. She started crying. She couldn't even believe it. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he even told her this was the best part of his session for me. Yeah. As like, you know, woman and wife, you know, he said, oh, I think I'm going to listen to you now <laughs> to his wife. <laughs> she, she knows something but, that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that even even um, the way that people can heal themselves is not taught in school. And I wish the younger generation understood how the body communicates because the body is a literal messenger. And if you think about any illness or issue you've had, if you can ask the body, why do I need this? Or what am I learning from this? And what is the very root cause of this? Once the message is heard, then it, you don't need the message anymore. So when you get an issue that happens in your body, it's a literal message and you just get quiet with yourself and you ask, what is the very root cause? Am I, do I need this to learn from this? And then it can be released when you understand those things. That's why it's so easy for people when they're tuning into themselves to heal themselves so easily because they're getting the message directly from themselves. Mm. But I wish that people were taught this. I wish that they were taught when you have an issue in your body, that it's the body helping you. It sucks. Yeah, no one wants to get any kind of issue in their body, but it's actually, that's the way our bodies are designed to help us along this journey. So we're supposed to listen to it, but no one's taught this. And it's such a bummer. And and what's this relationship between the subconscious mind and the body, because we, I've heard a lot of times that, you know, a lot of things get stored in our body, but it's actually from the subconscious. So what's that relationship going on there? Oh, it's so fascinating. So a lot of times we don't know how to let things go. A lot of people are taught store it in your body, store things energetically in your body. And it's a practice that people have to you know, be, become aware of that this has been taught to us. And we don't need to store energetically things in our body. You can release them, but go understand them first, of course, is the easiest way to let them go. But then let them go because emotions are like children. They never, you know, they they won't stop talking until you listen to them. So you have to listen to what's going on in your body. And then after you're done listening, you let it go. It no longer needs to be heard. Mm basically. And in many ways there. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. But this, the subconscious is the way that I describe the subconscious, though, is the part of us that never fully incarnates in the body. Because there's always a part of you that's actually a spirit, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And so it never fully incarnates in the body. And that part knows everything about you. And that's the part I speak with when I'm doing the session. Because it's also God, because deep down, everyone is God. Yes. And even when you're in a session, you'll take a client, you know, 
you'll go through a different past life. And then whatever happened in that past life, you'll ask the subconscious, you'll ask, why did you show me this lifetime? And usually it's something related to this lifetime. So if you want to just highlight, you know, what, what is going on there? It, you know, it's so fascinating because a lot of times, well, we, most of us, we repeat over and over again, the things that we want to learn or the things that we want to overcome. So for instance, if you really want to learn self-love, mm. you most likely will come into a lifetime where you don't have a lot of love from your parents. And then that will propel you into learning how to love yourself. And we do this over and over again through these themes until we learn the lesson. Then we'll choose a different lifetime. But a lot of the times when I'm regressing someone, they'll have a very similar lifetime to the one that they're currently living. And then they'll realize the different themes that they're trying to learn through these different lifetimes. Mm. They're so It's so profound. It's really fascinating how we just come in with these different things that we want to learn. But there's a reason why we do this. And it's so funny because when the soul is talking about the in-between after you pass and what it's like when they see other souls that have come back from their incarnations, mm-hmm. they want that they want that experience of vibrationally separating their vibration and going so low in their vibration from where they are. Because when you're a spirit, your vibration is super high again and you have to make your vibration so low that you can come into this dense reality and what happens is when you've had your vibration so low and you even choose like say you want to choose um how to learn to love yourself and you go so low to be unloved that's such a low vibration but what happens is when you come back from that learning the self-love There's a huge expansion that happens within your soul. And when these souls see other souls that have had that separation and that expansion, that's so desired on the other side. So that's why a lot of people want these really difficult lifetimes, because what they will gain as a soul from that experience will reverberate out and actually affect the whole universe. Mm. It's It's that magnificent. So... You want these challenges actually on the other side. Hmm. So let's let's sort of stay in the in-between for a little minute. And, you know, when you're regressing someone to a past life, sometimes even, you know, the the high emotional charge that they feel can be very daunting. And sometimes you have to take the client to the space in between lives where they actually understand why they were going through all that they were going through. So when we're in this in between, are we immediately equipped with the understanding of why we chose what we chose in this lifetime or in other lifetimes? Usually in the very beginning, when a soul is first leaving the body, they're downloaded with so much information, but it takes a little while for them to acclimate. Mm. And then they go to the process where they um, have to cleanse their frequency. It's sort of like a cleansing experience. Then they experience resting, mm. which is also to cleanse their soul because this the um, vibrational difference between yourself when you're incarnated in a physical body and who you truly are is so great. So you have to have that experience of really cleansing yourself, resting, because this was that hard, uh-huh. <laughs> believe it or not. 
you come back and after you've done those things and you review your lifetime and then you go over it with other aspects of yourself, actually. Mm. And then you decide, okay, I really want to work on this. I really enjoyed that type of expansion. I really want to come and overcome this new you know, lesson or I want to overcome that fear. And then you choose how you want to do, do that. And you don't always incarnate on Earth. There's other Earth-like planets. There's other, you know, realms, different different places. You can incarnate mm-hmm. that aspect of your soul to learn different things. But it's it's not always that they know everything right away when they get back to the in-between. Mm-hmm. But after assimilating there for a while, they do. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned other planets. And right now you're getting a lot of information about this planet that even even through Dolores Cannon's work, it it showed up multiple times, which is the planet of the spires. If you want to sort yes. of tell us a little bit about that planet, because your clients or or the subject, when they remember those lifetimes on that planet, it's it's a completely different energy. A lot of people that remember that planet call it the home planet, and they start to shake and they start to cry when they start to remember it. There's other planets that they talk about that also um, evoke this type of feeling within them. But in particular, this planet with the spires, a lot of people remember that it was so beautiful before and they had to leave that planet in order to come to Earth. And Earth was almost like just a backup planet for that planet. So they came to Earth. The planet with the spires had to rejuvenate itself. It lived the full life cycle because the planets are alive and they have a consciousness and they go through a life cycle, then have to die, then have to be, you know, stay um, reju. They have to go through a rejuvenation process until you can go back to that planet. Mm -hmm. So this one particular planet is so greatly missed by so many individuals and it's in their soul and their cells and DNA to want to go back to that planet. But they're only here for a little while waiting for that planet to come back, come back to life basically. But what's interesting are these spires that are on that planet that communicate directly with the Sphinx Mm. and the Sphinx broadcasts information back to that planet. It's like a whole network of systems whole networking system just like how you were talking about you get the chills and you know um the goosebumps it's the it's such an intricate design because we're reflections of this system we also are broadcasting systems when you get the goosebumps you know your the hairs stand up on your on your arms and everywhere and those act like little antennas it's the same thing it's broadcasting information mm-hmm. when you're experiencing that So I started to notice a lot of people were remembering this planet when I started to have these older women coming in for sessions and they were claiming that they had a pregnancy. Like they would go to the doctor and the doctor said, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't possibly be pregnant. Virgin Mary. Doctor, (laughs) I know. They would say to the doctor, no, I know what it feels like to be pregnant. Some of them had had children already and nothing would show up on the scan. And then, of course, they were called like crazy or anxious or they had some other issue that they just made up. So they would come in for their sessions and their higher self or subconscious 
would say that they were pregnant. They're seeding that planet because mm. Earth. <laughs> and it's really interesting. And the reason why they were using um, older women was it's easier to hide. So, was this a like a parallel aspect of themselves that was pregnant or actually in, in the physical no, body? No, they were actually pregnant. But the way the higher consciousness described it was, when these were very special women too that were actually um, used because they could monitor these women and make sure that this planet did not have this particular virus that they would talk about, the fear virus would not get on this planet. Like earth has the fear virus, which is, which is good. It's all part of it. But, um, it was, they're very heavily monitored and very special. These women that were also agreeing to be a part of this, this, uh, hybridization program, so to speak. But they were actually creating, it wasn't an actual fetus, which is, this is weird, but it was like an energetic fetus. Uh-huh. And it would also need to be in a womb. <laughs> so they would take the fetus, but they would leave it in longer. So they used, they were using, there's so many hybridization programs that don't use, um, that were using younger women. Mm. Um, yeah, I can get into that if you're curious. But anyway, they were taking these genetic, uh, energetic material, and then they were putting them on their ships, growing the new life forms, and they were a mix of human and also the, um, I guess you want to would call it, they were Pleiadians, mm-hmm. and then putting that onto this planet. Hmm. And, and it's so interesting right now because similar to your work where you have sort of some clients that come in and and the subconscious will connect the dots and put maps together. Um, I have sort of the same experience with some of my guests. Like we had uh, Sonia Grace on just a couple of days ago and we talked about the 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 real you know, ancient history of humanity and and what actually happened. Uh, Sonia Grace, she has the ability to time travel. So her guides take her back to these civilizations where she could actually observe and see what happened when the pyramids were built, um, what happened when Atlantis fell. And you're having very similar experiences with your subjects. So, you know, I guess the first one that really blew the socks off on the whole thing was Jen. If you want to tell, you know, Jen was a a friend of yours for 10 years who essentially had no interest in spirituality, no belief in extraterrestrials. And to be a level three practitioner with QHHT, you had to get a subject and you asked her and, and, you know, she said yes, because she thought she could heal something. You know, she had something in her brain. Um, But essentially, you know, she opened a can of worms into a whole new dimension about Atlantis about the hybridization program if you want to get into a little bit about what you learned which then later became your first book you know um it was it did blow the socks off of everything and it all happened in 2018 I I moved to my new house and that's when all kinds of stuff started happening and I always wonder if it has something to do with this location or or what. But it was right after I moved that I asked Jen if she wanted to be my subject. 
for that class. So I just thought <clears throat> I would just regress her and take that video submission. I had no idea I was going to be writing books or that um, I would be accessing this type of information at all. Wow. And it was really fascinating because, like you said, she didn't even, not only did she not know any of this information, but she didn't believe in it. Yeah. Also, and I knew she didn't believe in extraterrestrials because we had been friends for 10 years and we talked almost every day. And I always tried to bring up things, <laughs> but she wasn't interested in it at all. So I eventually I just stopped and kept the very surface level and talking to her, you know, those friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I, how's, how's when work? I regressed her, <laughs> how's work? How yeah, are the kids? Like, <laughs> right. Because I would tell her some things that were that I noticed in my sessions here or there. Like, wow, you know, somebody remembered a past life and wherever. And she just didn't really believe it. So the fact that I asked her to be my subject just didn't make any sense. It's like the thought came to my mind and I blurted it out and I instantly regretted it. Something was guiding you toward her. It was. It was. And I just thought, oh, my gosh. Why did I ask her? I could have asked my friend, like Jasmine, <laughs> who's very open to this stuff, who's also another mom. And, you know, she just surprised me because she, the only reason she had a, a session with me was because she was suffering from pseudotumor cerebri and she hadn't told anyone from the school. So basically what that is, is like a flooding of the spinal fluid in her brain. Yeah. And she was working closely with a team of specialists at the University of Miami, and they told her there's no cure for this. So she was motivated to work with me. Mm -hmm. And I was motivated because I needed somebody to regress to take this video submission to this class. So I just brought her under hypnosis and regressed her. And then she recounted in full detail these ancient civilizations. She remembered being like part of the, I guess you would call it the ruling party in this ancient civilization in the South Pacific. I mean, her details were astounding. Just even like what the birds sounded like there, the smells of the flowers. It's so highly colors. detailed. And that's all in the book. It's it's insane. It's It was mind-blowing, the details. Mm. And just to understand in more detail this civilization that we came to understand was Lemuria or they called it Amman in her civilization. And to understand that she was taken as a prisoner when these visitors started showing up that were very, very advanced. And they came in these like travel spheres, which you couldn't see from the outside. So they had really stealth technology and they were able to use these like hover, hovering type devices. That's how they traveled. And when they would land, all of a sudden you would see them and they were people, they were humans, but they had very pale skin compared to her civilization that had a darker complexion. Mm -hmm. Well, these visitors that kept showing up wanted something from them and they were dealing with um, illnesses. So they wanted the technology that would keep them um, immune, but it wasn't a technology that they could give. Mm -hmm. But when these visitors couldn't get what they wanted, they took her as a prisoner and she spent 60 years in a prison in the place that we came to find out was Atlantis. But when they couldn't get what they wanted, 
they set off these, like it was a nuclear type devices in rifts under the ocean that created massive tidal waves that were not like a regular tidal wave. Uh So this was man-made. It was so large that it was because there were um, multiple tidal waves, it sunk the island. The island was set up where it had kind of cliffs around it. And then inside it was flat. So the way that these waves were set up with this nuclear device, it just basically brought the whole island underwater. And that's how that island is no longer there. And that was in the South Pacific, you know, that people call Lemuria. But she spent 60 years in this place that we came to understand was Atlantis. And this was information that she did not know. So I knew that for sure. And I did not know Mm -hmm. that they were using stem cell research, that they were doing all these kind of genetic manipulations. I had no idea. And it was really fascinating. Some of the things that I thought were really interesting were they had this type of apparatus where you could breathe underwater. Mm -hmm. So people would, um, especially around the inner ring, there was a section where you could go underwater and actually be able to breathe because they put oxygen into the water and you could kind of experience like scuba diving, Uh but without any type of apparatus. It was interesting, just the technology and what kind of things they, they had back, you know, back then, Mm. because a lot of this has started to come back now. When I remembered being in Atlantis, the thing I was upset about is that they no longer have the sandals that I wore because these were amazing sandals. What did they look like? They were like, they were, so the way they worked was there was something that went underneath my foot and it touched the different points of my foot. And I was an older gentleman when I remembered Mm -hmm. living there because someone else regressed me. And the, the, the points of my foot were pressed upon whenever I walked. And it was like, you know, like an electric bike. It was like an electric bike sandal that worked with my body. Mm. And so I could walk really well and I would walk around, you know, the, the inner ring there and it would be like three and a half hours, something like that. And it was amazing. And I wish someone would invent those sandals. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're working. You wanna, we, got, we want to do a partnership? create the new nikes (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) electric bike sandals please somebody (laughs) well it's super interesting because i was um learning more about leonardo da vinci um from another guest that came on the show robert edward grant and he basically described that leonardo da vinci had the ability to sort of hop into future timelines and see technology that had been built out into the future and then draw it you know, he he drew the bike before it was created or he drew drones before they were created. Leonardo da Vinci essentially was tapping into that quantum realm where he could see future timelines, bring that technology into the present time. So, you know, this is sort of very similar with, with the subjects that are remembering technology, remembering what they were used for. So hopefully now that we're remembering, you know, these different methodologies and systems that other civilizations had, we can start bringing that now, those that can most serve us right now. Oh, definitely. And I'm sh- I'm sure there's different sections that do have access to a lot of technology. 
And um, eventually when there's too much pressure placed upon them, they're going to have to give them back Mm. (laughs) to us. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, the different factions of um, different corporations, I guess you would call them, that do have access to very high technology that has been given to them by other races from otherworldly races in exchange for, you know, information, things like that. Um, it would be nice if we could have that technology yeah. too before it to come into mainstream as well. And many of them are actually hidden in plain sight. So let's just like travel a little bit out into Egypt and, you know, what have you gathered from from that, you know, moment in history where they were utilizing the pyramids for something other than, you know, burial sites for the pharaohs? That's a, that's a really good point, too. Well, you know, we understood how to use the power of sound, how to match a frequency. And by matching the sound frequency of an object, you're actually able to levitate it. Also, the initiates used to go into the king's chamber and what they would do was they would use meditation techniques. They would bring themselves into a very high frequency. And that sarcophagus there in the king's chamber is very specifically designed so that it um, is like a magnifier. Mm-hmm. So the initiates would get in that um, sarcophagus and they would bring themselves into a very high frequency. And then it would magnify <clears throat> with the... Uh, the sides of that sarcophagus. And what would happen was it would pop them out of their body. They would then go into the ethereal, mm-hmm. etheric realm, whatever you want to call that in between. They would be given access to information, bring that back, come into their body, and that would be the sacred knowledge. And that would be information like how to you know, use energy, how to manipulate energy, um, all kinds of sacred information, like how to use, how to create symbols that actually are codes and keys and things like that. Was this information? But a lot of that is hidden mm, in plain sight. It is. It's out there, and and even you know, I've I've listened to um, different conversations of people that have gone to Egypt, and the guards there are like heavily, you know strict with what you can do what you can do um inside these sites like if you get seen meditating um close to these sites or inside the the sites you you will get you know taken out you know that's that's very interesting right i um do take people on egypt tours and the what i what we do is we have it included in a fee to pay off the guards so that everybody can do specific types of meditations in these places and around the sacred sites. Because what's also hidden in plain sight is energetically about a foot and a half off the ground of any of these like sacred sites are light codes. Mm. And so if you can bring yourself into a meditative state through the mind, you can access this information and it, the, what happens is it actually works with your own mind, your own chakras, your own um, crown chakra, and the information will come into your mind's eye. Mm. And so, so many people go to Egypt in these places and they, they hear a lot of information, but it's a different experience to go to these places and then start tuning into your own information. Mm. 
and yourself. So that's one of the reasons why I felt it would be beneficial to start taking people there. In in your book, um, one of your subjects says that sometimes humanity in its evolution needs a little push. So as you're describing all this knowledge, you know, all those capacities that we've had, you know, it almost seems to me that it's obvious that this was bestowed upon this information by an, something else, something outside. You know, it's not like we just, you know, came to this knowledge on our own. It was like we had a little push. What was that little push? What have you found in, in your in your research and your work? Well, it was so interesting because the higher consciousness had said that this was my job, that I decided to come in and incarnate in order to share this information. And especially with Jen in the beginning, they said that we had chosen to come back together to um, to do this, to uncover this important information that's vital. They said vital to humanity, that humanity needs it now so badly. So when I was working with Jen, the whole reason I started to learn about um, about extraterrestrials and things like that and how humanity is pushed is I told the higher consciousness, okay, take us back to the beginning of the story, the story that you want us to share with humanity. What's so important, you know, that we need to uncover the story. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they were going to take us back to the beginning of that childhood that she had in Lemuria and really start from the beginning there. I really wasn't aware that they were going to start showing us another memory that she had, a past life when she was an extraterrestrial uh, commander of an extraterrestrial ship. And when she came to Earth for the very first time, because I just had no idea. And I know she didn't either, since she didn't believe in extraterrestrials. So, you know, the whole time I was freaking out a little bit (laughs) as to what she was going to think about this. But I actually gave her so much insight and so much clarity on her life. But what they really wanted to show us is that that's where we originate. We originate from the stars. And these are concepts that I had, you know, vaguely heard. I had heard, you know, through Dolores and things like that. But I just was receiving so much more information and so many more details and actually actual memories of these people that were remembering being an extraterrestrial. And that's when the phenomenon started happening in my office where these people who didn't know one another started coming and started sharing the same information. And so that's why I thought this is really strange. And it all basically started when I moved to this new location, this new house, but it felt like they were accessing this like radio almost like they were using my clients as a radio to start communicating through my clients and different extraterrestrial races would also share information through my clients. But essentially I think the most important part they really wanted us to understand was basically the nature of the universe and what we're doing here because they've explained it as like the secret of the universe is that this is really just a game. You can't hurt your soul. Your soul can never be hurt. So anybody that says, watch out, you're going to get your soul's going to get trapped. That's basically impossible because you are in a sense, God, your source, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just fractioning a piece of yourself off for this experience, but this is a game. 
And this game has been going on for longer than anybody could comprehend. And everyone's part of this ancient group. Everyone is special. Everyone's part of this group. And we've been all doing this and traveling from planet to planet or whatever you want to call planet realm or whatever for more, you know, longer than you can comprehend. But also keep in mind that everything works in like a figure eight pattern. So it folds up on top of itself. There's no real end and no beginning. And it's constantly evolving and growing this consciousness that we all are a piece of, so to speak. But they wanted us to know that there were many seeders that came to seed this population from other places and that we are not just, you know, humans. Actually, we are not. <laughs> we are genetically manipulated. The The original human is the, uh, according to many of my clients, is the Sasquatch. They're the original human that was not tampered with. So they evolved in their own way and they evolved in, in just a way where um, they can come in and out of dimensions mm. at will. So they've also evolved, but in a different way. They don't use, they were not, you know, taught language in the same way that we were. And they do not have the same um, wants and desires as we do. So just totally different race at this point. And you can see how different we are. Than are them. they still living amongst us in the on Earth? Very much so. They come in and out of dimensions. So what they do is they focus with their mind. They focus on the energy around them, and they are they have the ability to go in and out of dimensions whenever they want to. And they have you know they they are similar to us in many ways they have families but they're very spiritual actually mm-hmm. whenever people either remember being one mm. or they connect with one in their sessions really interesting yeah and i want to highlight a word that you used um which is memory because what you're tapping into is essentially memories of the subconscious mind and many people might say, oh, that's just in, like a wild imagination. You know, and maybe if you regress someone like James Cameron or Steven Spielberg, you might get some crazy stories. But these are regular people, you know, in the world that are not storytellers, are not authors, are not, you know, movie producers, directors. Like the information and stories that are coming through, I would say, are far beyond imagination. These are, you know, real memories that you are uncovering from these people right and what's interesting is they don't know one another so of course they could have read my past book but they don't know what i'm working on now Mm -hmm. and so these people come in for their sessions not knowing any of the information i'm working on currently and it'll match up with other people's memories and then i'll know i can use it but when i'm working really closely with a hypnosis subject that that I'm working with, that I know I'm supposed to work with, that is different because then I'll test them for false memory. So the way I test them is I'll ask them a very detailed question, like to describe something in detail under hypnosis. And then six months later, I'll ask them the same question just to see if all the details are correct. (laughs) And then I know that this is not false memory, but I 
I want to test everything that I do. So I don't just um, put something in my book just to put it in there. Mm. I'll make sure it lines up with a bunch of other people who don't know, you know, this information also in order for it to be validated because I'm also learning and I want to learn what's true yeah. <laughs> too. And and I think this is really part of, of your mission because not everyone that is practicing um, quantum healing hypnosis uh, is getting information from Atlantis, Lemuria, you know, ancient civilizations, extraterrestrial beings. Like when you set out to create these books, it's almost like every every subject that was coming to you was tapping into the same time period, putting maps mm -hmm. together, looking at the patterns, you know, what have you gained from why you are receiving what you're receiving right now? So, you know, I don't think there's anything special about me. I think I just am, I just, you know, they just use me basically it was because I guess I'm just willing to do it. And for me, it's really fun, but I can, I, I didn't know at first, I wasn't aware but now I am that there's an agenda and they use me kind of like the higher consciousness, which is also us in some level uses different people as a way of getting this information out. So they use me through my clients. I put it into the books and that way they can help heal whoever needs to be healed or they can give this information to whoever is looking for it. Because when you put it, when they put it, through my clients into books, then people can go back to it and take their time to digest the information. Mm -hmm. And then they themselves can start to see if they have any kind of reaction to it themselves. But it was a weird phenomenon. I really thought it was just a coincidence. I thought it's so strange that everybody remembers Atlantis, Lemuria, or being an extraterrestrial. But when I asked everybody else doing this, they said, no, that wasn't happening in their practice, but the higher consciousness kept telling me to put it into a book. And finally I, I did. And that's how I came. That's how I wrote my first book, a hypnotist journey to Atlantis. And then I just continuing because it's not me looking for um, a title or for a bunch of information. I'll literally notice that all these people start sharing similar time frames all at once while I'm working on information. And I know it's very divinely orchestrated in order to get these stories, these memories, and this information out. Hmm. And I believe there's a deeper reason why we're receiving information from Atlantis, from Lemuria. You know, if people go, go over to an episode I did with um, Elizabeth April, she channeled a lifetime of mine in Atlantis where, you know, I was a man named Theo and I could manipulate water. And essentially, you know, I was one of the few people in Atlantis that knew about, you know, the catastrophic um, shifts that were going on. And I got the chance to to flee the area and, and survive and, and carry that forward. But I think many of us are here right now because we remember in some deeply ingrained part of our mind what happened in that lifetime in Atlantis, in that civilization. And we're here to sort of self-correct or collectively correct what happened there. So what can we gather from the lessons out there that we can bring it down to our present time? 
That's the reason why so many people have a reaction, even by thinking about Atlantis, or they they feel curious about it, or Lemuria, and they think, "Wow, I just I really want to know more about this." And it's because they lived during those times. Most of the people walking the planet today have lived during those life those time periods, but. If you just think about all the numbers of souls that passed during those great cataclysms, there was so much trauma and karma to account for. So we all got back to get, you know, back together and we decided let's do it at this time because the energy will be ripe for us to actually move past that level, that um, that trauma, that experience and balance our karma. So what we're trying to do is to do things differently. And I've been told that we are, that we're creating more of a balance as we move forward in this in this uh, upcoming ascension process, so to speak, that we're actually learning that we can be compassionate and develop our spirituality right alongside with our technology, mm. because we have to keep the balance. We can't have one uh, outweigh the other one, or the imbalance will be too great. It'll, ca- it'll cause what happened before. But what I've been told is that we're really learning these lessons. We're releasing this trauma yeah. from these different lifetimes. And we're really going back to eventually going back to becoming, you know, um, kind of like a tribe again. Because essentially what happened is in this experiment, we all separated ourselves in order to come back, but to come back greater. And it's just like having a fight with your best friend or something. Sometimes you really get to know in more depth how much you really care for somebody else through challenges, through fights. And that's essentially what we're, we're doing. We're really understanding that we need one another. So we had to separate from one another. And then the coming back is going to be so beautiful, as I'm told. And and what about this energy that you're talking about on Earth is making it so ripe that we all chose to come together now um, for the next phase of humanity? What, what is going on with the energy? We're being bombarded with a light that's basically shining on all of our shadow, essentially. So it's a ripe time to really release the deep-seated traumas. When you heal yourself, you're healing your whole genetic line, especially right now. So anybody that just takes the time to work on themselves, to go inwards and and see what's really been plaguing them all this time, it's such a great opportunity to move forward within this energy that's hitting the planet. So there's a lot of energy hitting us from the portal through the sun. There's energy coming up from within the earth. And it's so beneficial to actually tune into this energy to receive codes, especially, you know, through your eyes, through the portal of the sun, it goes straight to your pineal gland. It downloads your cells and DNA and activates you. And it's funny because I was asking the higher consciousness there's all these energy devices on the market. I want to be in the know. I want to get the best one, you know, tell me what the best energy frequency device is. And I was so mad because they said, 
go outside and put your feet on the earth. And that is the most effective and powerful energy frequency device available right now. Uh And the higher consciousness is saying, like, if you do that for 15 minutes a day, you'll notice you sleep better. You'll notice you have more energy. You'll, You'll notice different things about your life changing. But I was like mad because I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to pay for it or something. I don't know. I just wanted like a simple like wear around your neck thing. But It's you know, free. But really, <laughs> it's, I don't know why that made me so frustrated. But I mean, you know, these things are so powerful because the consciousness of the earth is becoming more powerful. And we're just being really helped right now. Mm. There's so much help for us during this time. By who? Who's helping? I I would say other versions of ourselves. Because if you think about time, it doesn't really exist in the rest of the universe. So everything that has already happened and everything that will happen is sort of layered on one another. So there's future versions, more awakened versions, also yourself on the other side. I would say the collective in that is helping us even though they can't interfere too much because this is a game so we're supposed to do this on our own but we have a lot of help mm. invisible help yeah and and in the in those processes of of working with subjects and asking these questions to the subconscious i know you've gone a lot into what we consider the past i mean if, if time's not linear maybe it's it's happening now in another you know parallel reality but are you also able to travel out and see what the future holds for humanity, what the future holds for the planet? And what have you sort of gathered around that topic? So when um, different types of extraterrestrials have come in talking about what happened to them as the future of humanity, especially one particular type of gray, they've said that they are one particular potential of the human race. But it's no longer really much of a potential anymore because we have shifted and we're shifted into a totally different timeline. Mm. But the future, um, one future that happened, (laughs) this is hard to explain, was that we as a collective, we um, were overrun with our technology. We became mutated humans and eventually lost our planet. Mm. Had to live in space, whatever you want to, consider space for the millennia on ships um and so that so that this doesn't happen again a lot of work has gone into shifting this potential so right now our potential is that the one that we're currently on the timeline that we're most likely on is that this is a great awakening process the future and what's happening right now especially for this month I've been hearing in my sessions Mm. is that this is like a shaking up an opportunity to really go inwards and to become the person you really came here to be. This month is all about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) apparently according to the higher self and really we're being shaken up. So there's a lot of chaos and it's hard to be human right now. It feels hard. I mean, everybody feels this. It's like one day you're up one you're down one 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 day you're like driving along and then that crappy memory of when you're five pops into your mind you're like oh man what the heck i thought it was over that one and it's like so much shaking up is happening internally externally 
But there's a point in that. The chaos leads to this awakening, to the questioning, to the going inwards. And where we're headed is this new golden age. That's where we're headed. We're headed for a golden age where we start to understand we have abilities, where we start to have access to them because we are now allowed to believe in the access. And once we start shifting into this kind of new frequency, this new human, so to speak, it's going to be a totally different way of life. People will start to learn how to communicate more telepathically. Manifestation will happen a lot quicker. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's already happening mm -hmm. that way. It's already, um, if you wanted to manifest something, <laughs> it's almost like, watch out. <laughs> because I was like, it would so be cool easy. to, it would be cool to interview Sarah. And then I go to, go to over to Miami and I look over in the conscious awards that Billy Carson put together and you're standing right there. I'm like, Hmm, I think I need to go talk to her. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's, but it's amazing. Like the manifestation that you can really, um, you know, create right now because actually earth is considered a manifestation planet right now, believe it or not. Really? It wasn't before. So this is a manifestation planet where we're learning instant manifestation. Huh. You know, a lot of people will probably be surprised to hear this, but when, when you're looking at your cell phone, it's actually doing something to your mind that actually is beneficial. So there's always a good and bad about everything, but it's creating different neuropathways in your mind that allow for instant manifestation. Mm. These screens do that. So it's not always a bad thing to look at your screen and to look at your cell phone. I mean, of course, there's like a limit and, you know, you don't want to go overboard, but it nothing is all bad, just like nothing is all good. Mm. So it's actually helping us learn instant manifestation. Mm. And And if I'm understanding correctly, would you say manifestation has a correlation or a connection to the neural pathways that that we create in our in our brain or how does that look well definitely because if you think about it you're creating based on your belief system so it's all like your your limiting belief system that either allows you to create something or hinders you so if you can understand that if you just work on your belief system you can create so many different things but as we start to learn this, as we become more aware of this, then we as a collective can start creating a new type of reality. Mm -hmm. It could be a co-creation. Um, and that's essentially what we will do. Yeah. Bruce Lipton said that the main job of our mind is to match our beliefs with our reality. <laughs> I love that. Mm. I love it. You know, that's so true. It's true. Mm. If you want to changed the outside what, what's going on outside of you your reality then you change your internal reality and it literally will change your outside what's happening externally hmm. and sarah as we bring this beautiful conversation to a loop um i wanted to briefly touch on dolores cannon because i feel that she was a very powerful spirit and she still is you know you know in many ways still working very close with her technique and with the practitioners that are that are mastering in, in her work. How have you felt her energy 
when you're you know conducting your sessions so i never met her when she was alive but i started right after she passed and she comes in a lot of my sessions and it's funny because when she first showed up i was expecting this really nice grandmotherly like <laughs> person but she's very serious a matter of fact and she gets very excited with all this information i just feel like she's just such a helping hand. I know she doesn't just help me. She helps all the practitioners. But mm. it's funny to have her, you know, helping me because sometimes she'll wake me up right before my alarm. <laughs> like, okay, time to get up. Mm. But I won't see her. I'll just feel like I felt a hand on my shoulder a couple times. Um, she's come in sessions, just basically same message, hurry up. Oh, it's always hurry up. <laughs> Mm. hurry up you're done book four and I'm like I haven't written it yet I literally haven't written it yet like give me a break I just finished book three mm. you know like hold on but it's very much like that usually and well I mean she did say she just didn't want me to um be too lazy yeah well I mean you're pumping <laughs> so, out like a book a year um, and it's incredible like the well, speed that you're working at with your clients well I it's not me though that's the thing it's like these books, like book three wrote itself in a year, yeah. less than a year. It was already done. The higher consciousness already put it basically through my clients and put it together. It was just wild. So same with book four. I'm almost done mm. book four. But, you know, as Dolores would say, I just can't get too lazy and get sidetracked huh. on my phone. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> to totally, you know say what she does say to me all the time mm. but yes she's very much there with all the practitioners or anybody that asks for her to help I, she gets excited and loves her work yeah yeah sarah to wrap up we have a, a segment on the show called the final trio that are basically just rapid fire questions that you can answer in any way that you would want um but I know people are going to be wanting to connect with you further and they're going to want to know where they can access your work, your books. Um, so if you want to let people know where they can find you, where they can you know, continue to connect with you further. Sure. Um, they can go to my website, theholistichypnotist.com. And um, all my books are on Amazon. They're all the hypnotist journey books, a hypnotist journey to Atlantis, the Sphinx, and from the trail to the star people. But I'm almost done book four. Mm. And um, to make Dolores happy, it will be done before. <laughs> You're self-publishing <laughs> all of the books, right? You're self-publishing? I self-published my books. Mm. And that's what the higher consciousness said for me to do. They said they don't want any tampering with the information. And I'm very careful not to tamper with the information. I put it out the way it's given to me. And I don't um, censor, yeah. censor it. And they are the ones basically that share it with whoever needs it. But many people heal themselves mm -hmm. from reading the books, which is always um, mind-blowing to me. Someone healed their back, I'd cite. Well, from the Sphinx book, they healed their back. They uh, shared that with me. And then a cough from Atlantis book. And then someone healed their eyesight wow. from the Atlantis book. So I know that um, it's not written by me, but I'm, I feel really lucky to be the facilitator and to have this experience of 
of being the one putting the books out there. Yeah. So for me, it's really special and fun. Well, I mean, information is power. And I, I think that's another, you know, big purpose of us coming together to have these conversations because, you know, I invite people to come in with the most skeptical mind that they can to these interviews, to these conversations. But in in many ways, keeping the skeptical mind but keeping a heart open because the information is not only hitting your mind, it's hitting your heart. And then it's hitting, you know, from there, all the cells in your body. That's why sometimes I'm editing a show and I'll start shaking or I'll just get goosebumps. Something is going on there. And I think, you know, I just invite people to activate the codes within them. As I just said that, you know, we're at 111. Um, and, you know, you can't make these things up. There's, there's something that's divinely orchestrating, as you said, for us to come together right now and put this information out to empower the people and to help people heal themselves. So with that said, the final trio, it's 11-12 here in Colombia, as I just looked at my, at my iPad. Um, but the first question I have for you is, what is the biggest lesson that you've received from the subconscious? I would say the biggest lesson is there's nothing actually to fear because all of that is an illusion that any, anybody that tries to put fear on you, remember that it's just an illusion. Really? There's absolutely no re need to be in fear. <laughs> I love that. And I wanted to ask you a, a more personal question. And that is what is your favorite memory that you've been regressed to? Well, my sandals. <laughs> <laughs> we got to create those. We got to get those out there. I mean, they were amazing. I was an older gentleman. And I, I mean, I could just like glide over the, you know, while I was walking. They were like Heelys, you know, the, those Heelys, those shoes that you go up and there are wheels under. I used to have those and no, I'd, I'd be the one no. that would run around the mall with the Heelys. And <laughs> <laughs> those are awesome. Mm -hmm. No, these were better. <laughs> these were amazing. They were just like, would work with your foot and all your joints even and just propel you. It was like, it felt like an electric bike. When I rode an electric bike, I thought, oh my gosh, this is like my sandal. Mm. I love it. <laughs> this last question, Sarah, um, hopefully it's not the last. I would love to continue our conversations down the line. Um, Me too. Thanks. And we call it the time capsule question. So we ask it at the end of every every episode. And, you know, just like the Sphinx is a time capsule, as you've said uh, in, in your research, this is sort of a question that forces us to travel a little bit out into the future around 10, 15, 20 years out at a moment where, you know, we're, we're you know, on the other side of this pivotal moment, this next phase, we're heading into the golden age. And the young people of today in around 20 years are going to be the leaders of tomorrow. So if you had the opportunity to leave behind a time capsule, so when in these, you know, in these times in the future, these leaders could go back and open a time capsule and access information, tools, wisdom that they would need to carry out into the new earth, what would you include in this time capsule it could be anything from you know book um it doesn't have to be material it could be an energy a quote a phrase you know this is just 
whatever comes into your imagination that you'd like to leave behind for the next generation of leaders? Well, I mean, maybe just to not forget to think outside the box, you know, to keep their creative creativity intact and going and to just spend time being creative because it's the younger generation that will create this new reality, this new world. It's through them and that it's all going to really, you know, make such an impact and a, a difference. And um, if I was going to bring something, let's see, maybe um, the crystals, mm. <laughs> maybe crystals, because those are such powerful, you know, beings that are so um, underutilized and music. And um, I think, you know, well, it's a difficult question because I would want to bring everything in the time capsule, but I think really just the, you know, creativity, mm. creativity is what is really needed. Our, mm. our imagination, our ability to think outside the box, our ability to think greater than what's already been thought, mm. basically. And you can also just put in the whole Sphinx in there. <laughs> we'll, we'll need an episode just to talk about the Sphinx because I mean, <laughs> let's bring the Sphinx. But I think the most important Sphinx is the one that's located in the four corners because that one's hidden in plain sight and you, nobody even knows really where it is. It's like covered with, you know, dirt and everything, mm -hmm. but that's a Sphinx actually. And that was built right around the same time, but underneath that still has like a ship and codes in it and things that people could find if they were given access to that place, Wow, which is not yet not yet we'll, bring we'll get there space. we'll get there um yeah sarah i just wanted to you know with an open heart just thank you for the work that you're doing and i know it's not easy coming out into the world with these topics um so the courage that must be behind you and the you know the mission to heal humanity to help humanity um it's just a you know, mind-blowing and admiring um, to see and witness that. Uh, and it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and connecting with you. Um, and I'd love to do this again down the line. Thanks so much. It's wonderful to connect with you too. And it's great, your mission, what you're doing. I mean, it does take a lot of courage. So it's awesome. It's awesome what you're doing. Appreciate you so much. Much love. Till next time. Me too. <laughs> Until next time.